WTEL podcasts are powered by Stanley Steamer Air Duct Cleaning, Delaware's clean air experts. Call 1-800-STEAMER. Well, clearly the firestorm within and outside the Roman Catholic Church is not going to end anytime soon. Is the church approaching schism and church traditionalists very visibly pressed for Pope Francis to resign? In fact, the former papal nuncio had even more to say today. It just seems to have no end. Father Thomas Reese, senior analyst, Religion News Service, before that for many years, a national Catholic reporter, and before that, the Jesuit magazine America. Uh, Father Reese, I, I, I think for someone like you, it probably get up... Uh, in the middle of the night and it seems like this is a nightmare it can't be true it's too surreal it's uh, back to another century of church history uh, that's true uh, alan but you know the people i worry about the most is the the victims the survivors of abuse it, it's really their story and uh, this church politics is just obscuring that uh you know what happened to them is absolutely terrible it should never have happened and the church needs to apologize again and again and to do whatever it can to help in their healing. And this, you know, this, these fights, you know, which are kind of like within the beltway. I'm not sure that's all that much help to them. Yeah, well, in a sense, I'm sure uh, some victims almost uh, now feel like pawns where their plight is used as a means by which to hammer uh, the other side in this uh, in-church struggle. Yeah, it certainly seems that some are doing that to try and hammer uh, Pope Francis. Although, you know, there were conservative bishops who, uh, who covered up. There were liberal bishops who covered up. This is not an ideological thing. But you never had before uh, the idea of some bishops, almost like politicians publicly, coming out for or against the Pope. No, no. This kind of thing was never said uh, against Pope John Paul or Pope Benedict. Uh, you know, it, I had my difficulties with uh, Pope John Paul II and Pope Benedict, but I respected them. I respected their office. I would never act like this. I never did act like this uh, uh, with those popes. Uh, it's you know the 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 way in which uh, victims are being used in this internal. Uh, that is uh, it just uh, just not appropriate. And yet, I'm sure if you put the hands of some of these clerics on the Bible, they would swear that their uh, philosophical, ideological, theological position is that uh, if the church goes the way they conceive it should go, it would minimize this problem. Yeah, you know, we're all the heroes of our own stories, and uh, we always are convinced that we're absolutely right and. Uh, uh, and our ideas are the best. You know, this is why we need to listen to other people. We need to be in dialogue and conversation. You know, one of the problems with these clerics is they don't have wives to tell them, you're an idiot, shut up. Well, I mean, since you said that, Father, I mean, we know how we ended up with non-married priests in the Western Rite as a result of scandal many centuries ago. Uh, this kind of forces a reassessment of that? Well, it's probably going to, uh, but personally, I, well, I've been in favor of having uh, oh, a married <laughs> clergy for decades, you know, before this this uh, uh, stuff with the abuse. And we should note, like the Eastern Rite Catholic Church is doing, like the Orthodox Churches do, but go absolutely. on. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, there's no evidence that uh, getting rid of celibacy is going to solve this problem. We know that 
outside the Catholic Church, yes. outside the celibate clergy, there is a heck of a lot of abuse going on. And, you know, 90 plus percent of the, of the Catholic clergy, 96 95% of the Catholic clergy are, are not abusing. Well, but the argument is, by having this standard, perhaps you have someone young who is sexually confused or uh, is looking for a means by which to uh, take a position in society where uh, one doesn't have to get married and can kind of brush it away. And, of course, we know from uh, psychology and, and all the research, it's very hard to uh, kind of throw that away for the rest of your life. Well, I, th I think actually what we see is that people who are predators are attracted to the helping professions, you know, coaches, doctors, priests, those kinds of things, because that's where the, the victims are. That's where they'll find the victims that they can prey on. Uh, and, and, and that, I think, is, is one of the reasons some of these people are attracted uh, to to ministry in, in any church, and that's why we have to be, you know, on guard. So, so what kind of litmus test would you have for someone entering the seminary? Obviously, the conservatives are saying, screen out anyone with uh, apparent uh, predisposition to being gay. Others are saying, no, acknowledge it, and... Uh, uh, don't don't just repress people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's kind of the internal debate. Well, I mean, this is an area where you talk to the expert, and the expert studies are, are very clear here that there is no predisposition of gays towards, towards, towards sex abuse, that there's no greater amount of sex abuse among gays than there is among uh, heterosexuals. Well, right, the, the tendency to prey on the very young, indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And... Uh, so, I mean, I think that this is, you know, trying to blame the gays for uh, uh, the sex abuse crisis is just nonsense. Although, as you know, we also have uh, you know, uh, demonstrable examples of clergy that have never uh, uh, been predators to young, but have had uh, illicit relationships with uh, other adults of the same gender. Yeah, well, and uh, the other genders. I mean, well, if, we you're, both, yeah. if you're, whether you're gay or whether you're heterosexual, if you're going to be a priest in the Catholic Church today, you have to be celibate, period. Uh, you know, people fall, people sin, we know that. Uh, if they, uh, uh, if they seek, you know, forgiveness and, 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 you know, have firm purpose of amendment and don't do it again, then they can be forgiven and continue as long as it's an adult. But if, if they can't, you know, the Pope's been clear on this. If you, if you can't be a celibate priest, then you need to be, get, leave and get married. He, he said, you know, better a, a good lay person than a bad priest. How about this now? Uh, obviously, many calls, even from non-victims, uh, for uh, some kind of uh, independent, autonomous board, perhaps of Catholic lay people, to evaluate cases, uh, lifting statute of limitations, concrete things, concrete things. That's what people are saying who want to hear more than words of uh, apology and forgiveness. Yes, and, you know, uh, let's look at the things that have already been in place. First of all, any any seminarian, any priest has to have a police background check, period. And anybody who is now accused of abuse is immediately reported to the police. Uh, this is in effect right now and has been in effect since 2002. In fact, many 
Caius did it even before then, but it's been the law since 2002. And if uh, there's a credible accusation against someone, then they're suspended from ministry until a complete uh, investigation takes place. And if they're found guilty, then they're out of the priesthood. This is one of the reasons that in that uh, uh, Pennsylvania report, although there were 300 priests that were listed, only two had uh, abused them in the last 10 years. Yeah, and you have made that point. i got to ask you about timing, that this papal nuncio's accusations come out right after Pennsylvania and during the Pope's uh, pilgrimage to Ireland. I know there was some explanation, well, it took uh, that time to get it translated in English and Spanish, which is interesting, but, you know, I, the, the timing is, is pretty suspect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, 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 you know, this, uh, you know, the Archbishop talked and had help from a journalist, an Italian journalist, in putting this together. Now, that journalist obviously has a good sense of timing in terms of releasing this. I, I doubt it was an accident. And let me ask you, this uh, former papal nuncio, how long were you aware of his existence? Uh, I would imagine oh, I, years I, and years. Absolutely. I mean, ever since he uh, first came here. And, of course, he had been famous because uh, he had had a fight uh, with some of the people in, uh, in Pope Benedict's uh, curia because he wanted a particular job, and they said he wasn't going to get it. And that job had a red hat. Yeah, no, a cardinal. Uh, and, and the butler story. Do you think that Pope Benedict uh, resigned over all this? Uh, I think it's hard to say. I think he was getting frail. He, you know, he had, he had said, he had hinted earlier. In fact, he had said clearly, even when John Paul II was Pope, that once uh, a Pope got to the point where he uh, could no longer do the job because of physical or mental uh, disability, that not only could he resign, but he had a moral obligation to resign. But because of this, do you think Pope Francis would consider resigning? No, absolutely not. I mean, let's face it. If, if a journalist wrote this so-called memo, you know, this, this thing that the Nuncio did, and presented it to any editor in the United States, it would not be published. Because, because of lack of corroboration. one piece of corroborating evidence in it. It's simply a list of accusations. Have to leave it there, Father Reese. I know it's uh, been a difficult time. Thanks for joining us. Okay, thank you, Alan. Father Thomas Reese, Senior Analyst, Religion News Service, many years at National Catholic Reporter, and many, many years ago, editor of the Jesuit magazine America, live on WDEL.